This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Homesdale Radio is proudly sponsored by CompleteSigns.co.uk. Complete Signs are a producer of top quality internal and external signs for an ever-expanding portfolio of clients, including hotels, schools, local authorities and small businesses across the nation. Offering a wide range of creative solutions from flat metal nameplates to neon fascia signs and everything in between. Clients are offered the highest standards in consultation and sales support to ensure complete customer satisfaction. With clients free to choose solutions from a wide variety of materials including brass, aluminium, stainless steel, wood and a number of plastics. Covering most of South England with virtual offices in Croydon, Epsom, Hawley, Worcester Park in Surrey, Crowthorne in Berkshire, Regent Street West London, Docklands East London and Crawley and Brighton in Sussex. So if you're looking for the complete professional service for your sign needs, then look no further than Complete Signs. Head to their website, completesigns.co.uk, for further information, including contact details and full office addresses. Live commentary. Uh, ball back with companion in the centre of the field. I hope he plays a long raking pass. He doesn't. <laughs> it's found Dobby. Oh, again, he's tried to... Have you got a word for those short passes? Well, I've got a word for that short pass, but um, <laughs> I better not say it. Live interviews. Yeah, I think that's where we'll be for, for the foreseeable future. You know, we're working on some interesting things there. And um, I think that we're developing, we're developing it bit by bit. It's probably going to be our best option. Expert analysis. Directly from Johnny Parr himself, the actual Johnny Parr, um, with, with, with the first clue, yeah? This invention will help you when I'm making myself a tasty <laughs> snack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Is it the... Uh... The Norwegian cheese slicer. Well done, it is a cheese slicer. Well, most of the time anyway. Homesdale Radio. Hello, a very good evening to you and welcome to this week's Homesdale Radio. Once again, my name is Ben Nagel and on tonight's show, for an hour and a bit, we'll talk all things Crystal Palace and more specifically yesterday's game against Southampton. We did, of course, lose 1-0 in a game that had 0-0 written all over it had there not been an awful mistake from one Jason Punchin. There were plenty of poor performances to discuss, as well as a horrific refereeing display from Mr Coward Webb. We'll try our best to avoid a libel case, but we'll discuss more about that later on in the show. 
Tonight I've got a fantastic presenting team with me. Rest assured you're in capable hands. I'm joined by Alex White. Hello. Albert Curley. Good evening. And in the contact hub, but also spouting nonsense, Chris Hamling. Hello. Now, before we begin, uh, we've got a new feature to start the show. It's called Chris Hambling Mumbles the Hits. Uh, tonight is the first edition, oh. and we essentially need you to tweet in at Whole Radio to tell us what you think it is. So I'm going to pass straight over to Chris to uh, mumble his first hit. I don't, I don't really, I, I don't agree with this, but it's a TV theme tune. Just help us out, all right? Just so we can move on. It is, it's the following. That's all you get. Cool, right, okay, so if you do know what that is, um, none of us do, which is basically the reason for this. Um, tweet us at Whole Radio and let us know what it is. Yeah, now, no moving on. Or yeah, oh, no, no prizes, no, just a, a pat, well, a, uh, a virtual pat on the back, I suppose. Now, moving on, we've had an unprecedented amount of four-word reviews this week, which we'll come on to later, uh, but we'd absolutely love to hear from you even more as the show goes on. You can phone, email, tweet, or Facebook us and get your thoughts on the show. There's certainly a lot to talk about. But now, let's get on with the show. We'll begin tonight with an insight into what happens behind the scenes with a roundup of all the latest Palace news in the most shambolic news in brief you'll ever hear in your life. See the stars of tomorrow, today. Crazy pine looks a fantastic ball to Banton. He's given it off side. I'm not so sure. That was a very close call. Live commentary from all home development games. Only on Homestyle Radio. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. Are we, are we starting that now? Oh, what do you think? Do you think? Maybe. But we were talking halfway through it. Oh yeah, that's because you weren't listening, wasn't it? Or Alex <laughs> talking in an Australian accent. <laughs> yourself. I'm putting pressure on me now. <laughs> Come on, let's start it again. Come on. <laughs> so we have to, we're doing this now. Well, Mikey's not going to stop it, is he? He's much of a <laughs> as the rest of you. <laughs> Crystal Palace <laughs> development stars Sunny Kaikai and Hiram Boateng. We actually, no, okay. seriously, we actually can't broadcast the word anymore. We've said it. Okay, right, we're starting again. Yeah. We can keep this for another outtake. We are a serious radio show as well. Yeah, like no, you said, it's going to beep again. out. Well, you've got to beep it out twice now, three times, because you're a <laughs> Crystal Palace development stars Sully Kaikai and Hiram Boateng have had their loan deals at Crawley Town extended by a month. The duo joined the League One side on temporary contracts at the start of February on deals that were set to expire this weekend. Mila Yedinak captain Australia for the first time this week in the international friendly against Ecuador at the New Den. Boo. The Socceroos were 3-0 up at half-time but bodged it and managed to lose 4-3. Yedinak may or may not have been at fault for part of the comeback. Mm. On Sunday the 16th of March, Bromley FC are hosting a charity football match and concert on behalf of UK Three Lions. Palace youth product and midfield supremo Simon Osborne will be once again donning his boots to play alongside former East Ender and acting behemoth. Dean Gaffney. For full details, to facebook.com forward slash UK three lions with the three being a number three. Homestale Radio is brought to you in association with CompleteSigns.co.uk for all your sign-based needs. To receive a genuine 10% discount, mention you are listening to Homestale Radio and get in touch today. Right, welcome back. Um, hope you enjoyed that shambolic news in brief. It <laughs> gives you a bit of an insight into what happens behind the scenes, but uh, a bit more of an insight on on Chris Hambling's ridiculous language. Uh, what would his mother think? 
<laughs> we'll uh, we'll go straight into the show. Um, as always, we'll, we'll talk first of all about the team, um, as that is generally what we do at the start, and we'll move chronologically through it. So I'll read you the team first of all, and then uh, we'll get uh, the the other presenters' thoughts on it. So with Spr- uh, Spronian goal, Ward, Dan, Delaney, Moxie at the back, KG, Jednak just in front, Balassi, Ledley, Punchin, and then Murray started up top in the absence of Shamak, who was injured. Uh, so first of all, um, I'll come to you, Alex, first. Were you happy with that team? No, Ben, because I think you look at last week and we've gone again with three sort of central holding midfielders as opposed to someone playing higher and closer to to our main centre forward, which which for me was a negative thing. I don't necessarily think we started negatively, but it just it it's flattering the other side, saying we're going to mould our team around yours when I think we need to offer a threat and make teams actually have a think about what we're going to do as opposed to what they're going to do for the rest of the match. Okay, and Albert, would you agree with that? Uh, not really. I think um, <laughs> giving yes. a, uh, s- saying that you know we're going to try and impose ourselves on a, on another team, what rather than adapt to what they're going to do. Teams know what we're going to do because we essentially don't score many goals, so um, we have to try and absorb them. You know, keep it tight and then hit them on the break. So I didn't think the uh, lineup was too odd. Um, given the injuries and whatnot, but um, first 10 minutes was okay, but I was just, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a weird one, really. I thought we were going to struggle. Okay, and Chris, was that the, uh, the starting lineup you would have said? It's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I'd never have envisaged uh, Joe Ledley starting as a sort of an advanced midfielder, if you like, but I actually, he actually did a pretty good job, but um, I, yeah, I'd say probably that's where I'd have changed it. Um, it's weird, because KG had a pretty decent game, so I wouldn't we know with the benefit of hindsight, he wouldn't have been the one to miss out. But before the game, he, he certainly would have been. I'd have gone with Ledley. Did he have a decent game? That I suppose that's probably for discussion later on. But I thought I thought he was. Um, it might be controversial to say, but of the midfield three, I thought he was the best. That doesn't mean he had a decent game, though. <laughs> no, I suppose not. But yeah, he would have been. What I mean is, he wouldn't be the one to drop out oh, with with the benefit of hindsight. It, it would have been. Again, he probably wouldn't take the captain out, so I probably would have. Uh, would have found another role or would have left Joe Ledley out of the, the lineup. Be fair, I, I think Ledley probably would have, should have started left back. But there you go, that's that's my view on the um on the lineup. Okay, and then we'll uh, move slightly on sort of talking about the the team still but but moving on to the subs. Uh we made a couple of substitutions in well, well, Gale and Bannon didn't come on and Thomas and Jerome did. And that's that's a point that's really a bit contentious because a few of us think that that was the wrong thing to do and a few of us think that was the right thing to do I personally think that Gale and Bannon would offer so much more than, than Thomas and Jerome can so uh, Alex your your thoughts on that Well, I, I seem to come on here every week and say that Bannon and Gale should be starting it's just for me if, if you're going to start with three central midfielders and I, and I agree with Chris I think Joe Ledley did have a good start to the game but you need somebody that's going to impose himself a lot greater and Mile Jedinak and KG do not hold the ball well enough I think Ledley has the ability to but I don't think he did but somebody like Barry Bannon holds the ball and imposes himself on the opposition and then Gale always offers that threat of a goal as soon as they marked Glenn Murray we had no sniff of a goal from anywhere else Okay, Chris I'm going to come to you quickly for a few comments on on the lineup and then over to Albert after that Yeah, there's there's a couple of comments in in the chat room that's hlradio.net forward slash chat uh, to join in with the guys there Um, basically the well, there's a disagreement from, from I talk about KG and Dweeb says he didn't think that KG played particularly well. 
Um, so yeah, and then and really, it's other than that. Uh, oh, hang on, any call call eagle eighty nine says this. It's not a direct answer, but he says basically, anyone got the idea why when it didn't work in the first half against Swansea, we had three defensive midfielders started on the back foot again. Uh, you know, and what do we do at Sunderland? We'll put it go for it, and I'm sure we'll have a look talk about that later on. But so so on the lineup again, he's, he's saying we started with three defensive midfielders, but I, I would argue that Ledley did not start in, in a defensive manner, but. No, but ultimately he is not an advanced attacking midfielder, is he? So as soon as you start playing somebody like that out of position, I did think he started reasonably well and he was actually got in their faces quite heavily, but it's still not the effect of playing somebody up high like Gale with Glenn Murray, is it? No, no I think, absolutely not. I personally think it's it's quite harsh to be putting a lot of the blame on Lily because he's a fantastic player. I mean, he, this season he's played against Barcelona at the new Camp. I mean, he's he's come from... Playing Champions League football, he's a fantastic player. As we've seen before, he can play central defensive midfield. He can play left back. He's very versatile. He can play, you know, wherever we want him. And I think, admittedly, yeah, he probably is more more of a defensive player. But if you ask him to do a job centre attacking mid, he'll do a job centre attacking mid. And I think it's just natural to to be drifting back when when we're on the back foot a little bit in the game. You know, he's going to be playing a little bit more defensive. But I think when you you know any centre attacking midfielder in that position is, is going to have to drop back and, and help out a little bit. Now, Albert, I want to get your thoughts on. No, go on. Who, who's that? Sorry, yeah, it, was, it was me. Just to, just to, sort of just to finish that off from the chat room. But I mean, Dweeb has suggested that either O'Keefe or Bannon would have been better, and uh, and Tony Pears has, has said that you know Bannon or Ince should have been that advanced midfielder. And I'm just wondering if it's just a case that because we've got Joe Ledley and then, you know he has a reputation and he is a, a very very good player. Is it just a case that Tony Pulis is trying to find a place for him rather than he just wants to stick him in anywhere? Yeah. Uh, I, I can see the point there, and I, I do agree to a point as well, actually. Albert, I want to ask you about the, the substitutions, because you had a, a bit of a different view to Alex in that the substitutions that the Pulis made just after, well, half-time on 66 minutes, in fact, uh, was exactly what you said he should do. Exactly, yeah, no, I thought, I mean, everyone calling for Gale for yesterday, as much as I like him, I don't think um, he'd have had much joy yesterday. Um you know, if you look at the first 10, maybe 15 minutes, we were getting a lot of joy uh, from Glenn Murray because the two centre-halves couldn't deal with his presence, you know, and he, you know, he was really roughing them up. Um, and Gale, to be honest, isn't the sort of player to do that. Um, so at half-time, I thought, again, he, he divides people. Uh, actually, not he tends to have most people slating him, but I thought Jerome could add to that effect of, of uh, roughing up Lovren and uh, Fonte. And it, we might provide a bit more uh, attacking threat. And with um, Ince out wide, who can actually cross a ball um, instead of punching, I thought we might have seen a bit more joy. But uh, I, th- I think Pulis might have left it a bit late. I would argue there, though, Albert, that um, bringing on... So I say you've got Gale and you've got Jerome on the bench. We're 1-0 down, we need a goal. Gale has proved that he can score goals, and he's done that early in the season. He's, you know, he's got a couple of goals, and Jerome hasn't really. And I just, I just yeah, think Or you bring on a striker goal. that's proven not to score. Effectively, yeah, exactly. effectively doesn't score. In the Premier but League. nobody scores in our team. That's true, <laughs> but Jerome's consistently not scored in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, but so's Gale. <laughs> 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 it is his first season. It is his first season, so I'm getting you on a technicality there. Um, <laughs> rough him up a bit more, you know. Fonte and Fonte, especially, you know, he's, he's a he's a good defender, but he's a bit too, you know, he's, he's not, um, you know, he's not a sort of burly centre-half, you know, I think you can rough him up quite easily. And I thought Jerome, you know, Jerome did get into some half-decent positions, you know, when he came on. And I thought we might have got a bit more joy out of it, but, uh, you know, it wasn't the case. 
Okay. Chris, we'll come to you for a it's couple of Hindsight's a great thing, though, isn't it? There's no wrong answer. <laughs> Chris? <laughs> yeah, um, well, there's been a couple of tweets in on, the, on the substitutions. If I start with uh, Matt N, who said, uh, Ins for Punch and KG for a bollard on a skateboard. <laughs> Shows you what he thinks about KG's performance. And uh, slightly earlier on, Russ Hubbard uh, got in touch and said, Bannon for Punch and without a doubt for me. Uh, and Gail has to have a decent sniff, uh, you know, at least for 30 minutes. Something different, please, he says. And I, I can kind of see where that, that's coming from. You, you, you know, you've all, you've all talked about different reasons for, for why you'd have put the players on that you'd have put on. And I think the trouble is with this, it is again, it's all hindsight, isn't it? You're all saying that it would have made a difference. The truth is, there's no guarantee it would have made a difference. And and that's what I have a, a bit of an issue with for, for this whole game. Really, there's been a lot of extreme reaction, and I'm sure we'll come to that. But certainly on the substitutions, I, I think the, the decisions were right. I think. Cameron Jerome, by all accounts, had made a bit of an impact against Swansea, and um, you know it was it was the right choice to try and stretch Southampton with a bit of physicality and a bit of pace. And what Gale lacks, um, you could argue what he's got is is more of a goal threat, but what he lacks is that physical presence, unfortunately. Okay, I've noticed one more tweet as well from from Max Forward, who's who said that my coward web uh, joke was fantastic. So it's nice to get a bit of credit for that um, in my intro. Um, yeah. Move <laughs> had to get there. Right, moving on. We've been talking about the uh, the substitutions, um, and we made those substitutions pretty much because we needed a goal. So why not uh, talk about that goal that, that we conceded um, and that put us 1-0 down and, and in a very difficult position to get back from. Uh, it was a massive error from Jason Punchin. Um, I personally think Spurney should have been off his line quicker, but that's a, another contentious point. I know other, others don't agree with that. But overall, it was a shocking goal to concede after we started to really get a hold on the game. I mean, just before that, we'd had a couple of chances. Balassi was geeing up the crowd and, and the atmosphere was really starting to get going. And it's just killed it completely with that goal. Um, silly header from Punching and and a really bad goal to concede. So, uh, Albert, I'll come to you first. What are your thoughts? I think the, the blame lies with Jason Punching. I think you've been a bit harsh on Spironi there. You know, Spironi met Rodriguez what? 24 yards out, something like that. So, you know, to come off his line quicker, you can't say that he was, um, you know, not like he met him in the area. And I think he's just been, been a bit unlucky with the challenge. You know, he could have completely wiped him out and got sent off. Uh, you know, the ball's just dropped very kindly for Rodriguez. Um, a lot of people are going to go at Moxie as well. I think that's quite harsh. Because, you, you know, you don't expect, you don't expect a, uh, a header like that from punching. And Moxie's on, on his back foot and just, you know, his weight's on the wrong foot and Rodriguez is away. So I, I blame it entirely on Jason Punchin, unfortunately. Mm. I hadn't seen any blame on Moxie, and I, I don't really understand that because he's in a very difficult position, and he's he's definitely going to get sent off if he does make that challenge. So yeah, exactly, it's, yeah. It's, it's, um, you've got to give credit to Jay Rodriguez as well because he really wanted that, and you know, and he's he's done well to eventually put it in the back of the net. You know, he's he's fought, he slid him, um, and there's there's pictures really that I've seen of Jay Rodriguez as the ball as they go in for the ball. Jay Rodriguez is going in. Sort of studs studs out, ready to to get under there, and Spironi hasn't. I don't know if that that's a you know a problem from Spironi. Obviously, naturally, as a goalkeeper, you're going to go in with your body. Should he have been going in feet first to try and get the ball away? Uh, Alex, what do you think? I just think we can't, you know, we're going to stand here and point the blame at Spironi or Punch. And ultimately, from that header in that position, from our own corner. That header shouldn't be that header where that position is shouldn't be so vital. To, to to them getting through on goal. That was in that was in their half that header. So how how was Moxie the last man left in our own half? We talk about the negative tactics last week. This week at times that's too positive because if you've got te- ten eight nine men in the box, 
and then you've got Jay Rodriguez who's just run through everybody else. All, all he had to take on was Moxie. And, and he shouldn't just have to take on one man left there. We've got to look at the bigger picture. Punchin's made a mistake, but there's got to be more than one man there to clear that up from our own corner. That For me, that's 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 Sunday League stuff, that. Lots of people you one man back. Um, yeah, I was basically exactly what Albert just said. Um, I, d- I don't agree with Alex on that occasion, no. I, th- I think if you you also got to look at the entire context. We were putting quite a considerable amount of pressure on that at that, at that moment. And, and that's what your team does. There's no sense in... In, in leave, you know, basically th- those guys weren't marking anyone. But, you know, the, Dean Moxie had no one to mark. There was no one back. Southampton had everyone back, and it was simply a case of Rodriguez essentially following. I think it was what was his own clearance in the end, uh, and that goes to show you, unfortunately, that it was the, it really wasn't. I hate to single out a player, but it was Jason Punch's complete lack of sharpness. And, and I, it's, it's a criticism I'd label it him when he's on the ball, but. He he just he was watching a bouncing ball and he just wasn't aware of his surroundings and he wasn't aware of what the best thing to do was. And and quite frankly, it's a pathetic header. And and as harsh as it might sound to single him out for that level of criticism, I think it's deserved. I think the goal is his fault. I think Speroni can do nothing. Jay Rodriguez admitted it. He said it was a lucky he got lucky to get the chance after Speroni came out because the two met it's a fifty fifty and it falls one way or the other and it fell his way. Uh, you know, Moxie can not really do any more because because he's been sold short. It it was awful, truly awful to to actually take a spell when we we're on top and, and to be punished like that. You don't mind being punished by a breakaway and a fantastic strike, or you know, you, you get a little bit caught out. You don't mind. Well, you can say you don't mind. It, it it's just it's just acceptable. It happens, but to be caught out by you know just incredibly poor technique. And the lack of urgency—it's a real shame when we were very much on the up. Okay, and you mentioned there, Chris, the the criticism of Jason Punchin. I want to move on to to that sort of criticism and the abuse side of things. Actually, just touch on that a little bit. Jason Punchin is obviously on Twitter, and he's got in trouble a few weeks ago for it. As as we know, he got fined. Um, and he tweeted um, 22 hours ago. Now, one week you're the hero, next week you're the villain. They don't really know me, hence the fact they think I've done that on purpose. And that's stemmed from obviously him getting a lot of abuse. So do you think obviously we, we're all levelling criticism at, isn't it, at him now? It was his fault, and he'll admit that as well. But do you think that that abusive sort of nature of Twitter is is too far, Chris? I think this is a perfect example of of how to to show you what's wrong, what's right, and what's wrong about it. Um, we're we're talking amongst ourselves on a on a fan produced radio station, and we're criticising Jason Punchin. What we're not doing is seeking him out as an individual and telling him and saying to him. You are at fault. You are an arsehole. You are this. You are. That. We're not doing those things, are we? We're talking about it. And if, if you know, I don't feel I have any right to go and speak directly to someone because that's what Twitter is. You're talking directly to a person. I don't think I have any right to talk to personally insult him for for making a mistake on the football field. We're having a discussion about football. We're having a discussion about a match. So I feel I have every right to mention that I feel he was at fault for that. But it's not a personal thing. It, it's just it's just a fact. Of, well, it's just an opinion of, of what factually happened, in my view. See mm, what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Albert, I mean, would you ever tweet something to a, a player that's made a massive error like that? No. You know, yeah, it's, I'm very much on the same side as Chris. It's all very well discussing it in the in this environment or in the pub or whatever, but to, you know, to approach him, he knows he's messed up. He doesn't need hundreds of people abusing him on Twitter. It's not going to help him at all, is it? Okay. Um, we've got a caller, actually, so I'm going to put him on straight now. Jason Punchin. <laughs> Who am I speaking to? Oh, it's Tony. Oh, God. 
Evening, guys. How you doing? Hi, hi, Tony. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. I've been listening. I had to ring in very quickly to put my two cents in about um, the goal and chasing punches, etc. All right. With the benefit, I've got the benefit of match of the day in front of me as we speak, so that's why I thought I would chime in. Go on. Um, what well, the the clearance um, didn't come from Rodriguez. It came from, I don't know which one of their players it came from. Um, and Rodriguez did chase down the ball very, very well. Um, the clearance from the punch and, well, the, part, the headed pass to Moxie was dreadful. But when you look at it, you can see why he did it, because he didn't really have much else to do. If he tried to control it, Rodriguez probably would have taken it off him and made a run on um, with the ball anyway. Um, that's the impression I'm getting when I'm looking at it. It was a hospital Stick ball out. to um, Moxie, but... I was just saying, Tony, you, you know, I, I appreciate what you're trying to do, trying to defend punching there, but, you know, you say he's only got one option. What's, what's wrong with sticking it out of play? You know, if, you, if you're struggling, stick it out of play. If you, could, if you can't trust yourself to header a ball 10 yards, to kick it out. It's defend, you've got yeah, to defend. No, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I, I think punch, punching had a terrible game. He really did. He looked completely off the boil. Uh, there were so many misplaced passes. Um, so many bad crosses. Um, we, every, everything, to be fair, yesterday was just off. I mean, um, Joel Ward's um, set pieces were uh, terrible, most of them. Um, nobody seemed to be making the right runs. Passes were going astray. It was, it was just... Uh, uh, defensively, we looked pretty, pretty solid. Uh, Murray did good work, but I think the midfield is where we lacked. We just couldn't pass the, make more than two passes before the ball went everywhere. So you know, it was just a bad game, for, bad bad day in the office for most of the players, in my opinion. Okay, well, thank you very much for your call, Tony. We appreciate you getting in touch. And uh, no worries, very soon. Thank you, boys. Bye. <laughs> right, that was uh, that was Tony, uh, one of the other presenters, um, wanted to get his thoughts in. Um, Chris, I'll cross straight over to you now for some tweets. Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of people um, trying to get involved in talking about the goal. It was the major talking point of the game. Um, so, so various different opinions really come in. Obviously, Dweeb himself said that you just can't blame Moxie, and, and I totally agree on that. Uh, Robert CPFC says poor from Punchin wasn't the fault of Moxie or Speroni. Um, and really, uh, Palace Guard has joined in as well. Said, um, ah, where is it? You know, first time clearance when in doubt. You know, you know the phrase when in doubt, get get it out, and that's. That sounds like a, an invitation to flash people, but it really isn't. It's, uh, it's you know, it's basic, simple level defending. So, I mean, yeah, you just can't really. No one's, no one's got any other doubt other than it was, it was a responsibility of Jason Punch and uh, to clear that ball and effectively play it correctly, and he hasn't done that. So, um, it's weird because there was quite a lot of people on Twitter and the message boards afterwards who were trying to sort of blame Julian Speroni and. Uh, I did notice that, that that sort of came after a comment on match of the day that I think it was um who was Robbie it? Fowler. Fowler. Yeah, he said, you know, Speroni's got to do better there. Well, as, as Albert pointed out, he's out of his goal. Um what else can he do? You know, he the the argument was he made it a fifty fifty by not being more decisive, but I, I don't really see that as even a vaguely sensible argument. You know, he's mm. he's already way out of his goal. So um and going back to, to people on Twitter who've been talking about it as well. Uh, Paul, who's at the World Sea, he says uh, 100% punchers fault. Julian Democracy did um, did well not to get sent off, which is a excellent observation. Uh, Will Lott says, um, "Now that's on the uh, lineup. <laughs> Better not read that one out." <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, Brad, I see they're talking about lineup. It's, I'm sorry, Ben, I've let you down. <laughs> it's okay, Chris. Don't worry. Yeah, on on that Speroni point, I mean, uh, 
you'd have to say when we've got a corner and Spurney's down the other end, he's not expecting you know 15 seconds later to have to be rushing out of his goal. So you can sort of give him, <laughs> you can cut him some slack for for being a bit slow out of his goal because there's no way that he's expecting that to happen from punching and and yeah, if, if looking back at it, he's he's probably done well to get where he has in in the time that he did. So yeah, it's, it's harsh to be levelling criticism at him and and Moxie as well. Um, we'll move on slightly from that to uh, what happened after the goal. Um, and that should have been us trying to get back into the game, levelling it and, and getting something from it. But we just didn't look like scoring at all. I mean, the performance was lacklustre. And I was just thinking, how can you go a goal down and then not look like scoring? In the last 10-15 no, minutes of, of a game, when you're 1-0 down, I don't think I've ever seen it like it was yesterday. Normally, you know, the, the opposition that are winning are camped in their own box. We've got chance after chance. But there was just nothing. It just the game petered out, and and it ended up being a really sort of simple win for Southampton. So, Alex, I want to come to you. What what were your thoughts on that? Well, I, I was just surprised that we seemed to get deeper. We were lit. We literally started right in their faces. I remember when they were taking their goal kicks. Yeah, Glenn Murray standing on the edge of their box next to their player. We were so high, and then as soon as we went one 0 down, we literally just got so deep because they they just were happy to control the game from there on in. But to me, that that's obvious, I don't think that's a conscious thing. I don't think Tony Pulis has gone, oh, go deeper when, when you're 1-0 down because that's ridiculous. It must be it must be a confidence thing. And that gap between Joe Ledley and Glenn Murray over the rest of the, the game just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And he was so isolated. Mm, yeah, that is a problem. And Albert, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so similar to Alex. I think we um, when, when you've got a, a team like Southampton who are so comfortable at stroking the ball around the pitch... You know, it, it's it's hard it's hard to gain the impetus on them, and you know, especially when we're not renowned for you know we, we struggle to score goals at, at nil nil, let alone when we're, we're trailing. Um, and so, whilst it whilst we look like we might be run out of ideas, that you know, we got players like Alana and and uh, Jack Cork and people like that, they can just stroke the ball around at will. And Glenn Murray, bless him, he's I, I think he's uh, he's doing well to finish 90 minutes at the moment. I think after sort of 70, 75 minutes, he was spent and, uh, we, yeah, ran out, of, ran out of puff, ran out of ideas. Yeah, that was a comment that Pulis made as well in his press conference on Thursday. He said that, that Murray isn't fully match fit yet and he's, as it, when he was doing his press conference, he said Murray was still out on the training pitch working hard and you just think, you know, he's, he's never played Premier League football before. He's come back from an 18-month layout with injury and we're expecting him to, to lead the line by himself and, and get us back into a game against a team like Southampton who have got some fantastic players and are doing really well this season. And I think it's it's too big an ask, really. But then you could say the same for Dwight Gale. You could say the same for Cameron Jerome. We haven't got a player who's going to step up. Arguably, Shamak is, is the most likely to do that. And obviously, we couldn't play him yesterday. But, yeah, it's, it's a, such a difficult ask for, well, for players well, to come out and do that. Well, whether or not he was out for nine months or not, I know it's a big ask. But ultimately, he's the most likely to score for us. And and we have to play the, the best team that we have possible. And maybe he shouldn't be playing 90 minutes now, but I would I would put him ahead of anyone to score. So mm. I think I think you just got to go with it. Unfortunately, we're not in a luxury position where we've got another 15 goal striker sitting on the bench. We don't. We're going to have to do that. It's, you know, we're going to have to pick from score from from players that don't score goals anyway. So it's going to be Shamak, Jerome, or Wilbraham. Let's face it. I'd rather play a half half fit Murray. Yeah, I uh, completely agree with that. I've just realised well, I keep saying that he's been out for 18 months and he definitely hasn't, so ignore that. <laughs> it, it's, it's a lot less than that. Felt like Chris. 18 months. <laughs> Chris, uh, I want to ask you about, about the, the lack of scoring that we did yesterday. I mean, what did you uh, think about us? 
I'd certainly agree that we we almost seemed more of a threat before we went one one nil down than than, than afterwards. But I think when any conversation about a match, you one of the things that you get dragged into doing is forgetting about the opposition. Um, we'll talk, I'm sure, in detail about their best players, but just about their system. But po- Pochettino came out and said quite rightly that that he was going to have to adapt to the way how aggressive we are, how physical we are, we are and how we play football. Now, I felt it was a little inaccurate talking about, about us playing long ball all the time because we know we play less long ball than we did under Holloway, to be honest with you. But what he did do is, is set up his defence in the right way to nullify, nullify, yeah, nullify the threat that we do have. The threat that we do have is, is sort of through set pieces and it and it's through, you know, basically getting getting the ball into key areas as quickly as possible and then trying to uh, you know trying to pick up on you know we're not we're not got really got players who sort of dribble past three and smash it in although the Anik Balassi very much tried um we 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 pick up on the you know a loose ball or a you know a slip here or there or just basically get the ball into the box i know peter guntrip messaged in earlier on on, on twitter and, and said that Jerome thomas got a lot of crosses in and that's what we were trying to do that second half get as many crosses as we can into the box. And what Southampton did is they packed that area. You know, they had decent players who were good in the air. But you think about the size of Jack Cork and Schneiderlin and people like that. They dropped back brilliantly into defence and they just nullified every threat that we had. Uh, so I think it's unfair to say that we didn't, look, we didn't look like scoring for anything that we did wrong. I think it's all about what Southampton did right. OK. Well, there was one incident uh, in which we looked like scoring and uh, it could and potentially should have been a red card. So we'll, we'll talk a bit about that now. Uh, that Lovren incident um, at the start of the second half that, that could have gone a different way if Howard Webb hadn't, in my opinion, bottled the decision. Um, yeah, as I say, Mike Brooks is a definite send-off. People do argue that, that Klein was coming round and, and would have got there. But at the moment the tackle was made, looking at match today yesterday, Lovren is the last man at that moment. And by the letter of the law, surely should have been sent off. And uh, I think Howard Webb, not only at that moment, but, but during the whole game, bottled that decision and, and a lot of others as well and and had a horrific refereeing performance. So, uh, Albert, I'll come to you first. What do you think? I think it's a definite red. Um, I can't think if it was Robbie Fowler or Danny Murphy on uh, Match Today saying that, you know, there's an argument that Klein, Klein's covering, as you mentioned. But when you look at it, Klein's a good two, three yards away from Balassi. Lassie's only a yard outside the area and you know you can argue that he might take one two more touches there's no way Klein is going to make up three yards on Balassi mm, no, sort of second before Balassi will get the shot away uh yeah completely bought the decision um he, he got he got a lot right he, there's a lot of bookings that were very much deserved for the Southampton players but to be fair a lot of those yellow cards could have come much earlier than they did uh so I think you're right there considering he's supposed to be the uh cream of the English referees he mm. certainly didn't have a great game at all and would of course be in Brazil this summer as well so that's one to think about Alex do you agree with, luck with our thoughts <laughs> do you agree with our yeah. thoughts on how we're... yeah look as soon as if, if, if Balassi stays up he gets a shot on goal and that that right there is a, is a goal scoring opportunity that's been denied by a last man which is a red card and, and, and the problem I had is yesterday I tweeted it as well it's just if a referee's going to make a decision all, all I'm asking there is for consistency if that's his opinion that's why he's employed to make the decision he can make the decision there were so many 50-50s that went, went wrong ways and he'll book one player for one thing and then someone would do exactly the same and he wouldn't book him all I'm asking for if it's a foul for them it's a foul for them it's not hard it's not a particularly difficult thing to be consistent surely it's the same 
I was looking at it, there was this one point where Ledley ran past somebody and he gave and he gave a foul. There's a there's a video of it on on Twitter that I saw yesterday, and it's, it it just makes you think the quality of refereeing in this country is is pretty scary. Mm, yeah, you talk about consistency there, or, or more inconsistency. I remember at the start of the season, obviously we had the the penalty given away by Dean Moxie for handball, and I remember seeing one the very next week, exactly the same thing, and it wasn't given, and that that's kind of a, a point to illustrate what you've just said, that there really is no consistency with refereeing in this country. Chris, what do you think about how Webb's performance? Yeah, um... <coughs> well, Be careful. Keep it clean. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, I've got all my swearing out pre-show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, awful. Truly, truly awful. Uh, it's an example of what happens when a referee starts to get um, too caught up in his own reputation and his own... Um, you know, and how people perceive him. You know, he he's gone past trying to be in charge of a game, and he started trying to be an influence in the game. If you know what I mean. Mm. Um, Neil Warnock once said that the best referees, the referees you don't notice, and he's completely, hundred percent accurate in that. And Howard Webb is a referee you'll notice from the first minute till the last minute, and that's what he wants. He wants to be the centre of attention, to give the the foul against Ledley for taking the ball. Now I'll tell you why he gave the foul. And you can you can see it on that video. It's on Crystal Palace gifs or gifs if you still pronounce it like that. Uh, <laughs> if you if you have a look, have a look at that. It's he it gives the foul because Adam Lallana complains. Adam Lallana's complaining from it to his teammates that he didn't give a shell. He didn't give get a. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. He shouted from his teammates that he was gonna, the ball was going to be taken off of him, right? So essentially what Howard Webb has done, he's given a free kick because Southampton didn't give one of their players a shout that he was about to have the ball taken from him when he got it played to him. So I don't really think you can justify that, can you? I don't really think that... I think Howard Webb is, is, has heard someone complain and given them a free kick. Uh, and it, and that, that's the very least of what he did. The red, card, the red card incident, it is a red card and you can argue that the ball was drifting towards Klein, but... It's not important, you know. Yannick Balassi's right, right through. It's a foul. It's it's a goal scoring opportunity because he's got past everyone. It it doesn't matter what Klein's doing. It doesn't matter where the ball's rolling. Yannick Balassi got fouled in in that in that last moment while he had the ball in the central area. Red card every time. Uh, and and it's not just Howard Webb. It's his, his assistants as well were just as bad. Um, I know you were going to ask me directly about this, but I'm on a rant, so I'm going to go into it now. The offside <laughs> against the offside about that Glenn Murray got given. I can't be more than 10 minutes into the game. I, I, I don't really know for absolute 100% sure, but Glenn Murray was about four yards onside when the ball was played. I can see that I can see that from the back of the half away. He was absolutely clean through. No one was even running back. The keeper hadn't come out of his goal. 
So basically, you've got Glenn Murray, who's a fantastic finisher, we all know, completely free of any attention just to beat the keeper right at the start of the game. That's a game-changing moment. And, a, and an official who can't keep up with play at the very, very start of the match. Um, you know, this is an, a Premier League official can't get an offside right that you can see clearly from the and you know did it again later on with Ledley now that was more of a you know Ledley looked about level you can probably argue that one that you know when he's seen it he, you know it's a 50-50 he's given the benefit of the doubt to, to the defence but the Glenn Murray one for me was just unforgivable and it was the start of a very very bad day for the officials okay and I have to say as well we're not the only ones who think this I mean I was I was looking on yesterday and I I saw uh, an article get posted on Twitter by Ed Mail and he, he linked it. Uh, it's an article in The Telegraph by Jonathan Liu. I don't know if you, if any of you have seen this, but it's, uh, it's an article titled The Stats That Prove Howard Webb Bottles Big Decisions. Mm, and they've, uh, uh, they've done a study on it and they've basically gone through every match he's refereed over the last four seasons and essentially proved that he does bottle big decisions. So, yeah, as you say, horrendous uh, mistakes from Howard Webb yesterday, one in particular, and then well, I suppose you could say a couple in particular with that offside one as well. Chris, I want to come to you for, for a few comments from, from listeners. Yeah, um, Anna's got in touch and she's just written in uh, in quotation marks, best ref in Premier League, so you can detect the sarcasm there. Well done, Anna. Um, Daniel Schilling has said uh, he's, he's... Oh, no, that's someone else. Bollocks, did it again. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Tim said, uh, compare web call with uh, Spurs, uh, the red card for that game. Uh, that wasn't um, webbed defeat, he says. Interesting. Um, again, um, John Edwards has also gone with the, the quotation of best ref in England. Uh, Paul says the Blassie incident was definite red card, and so was that fa- foul on Jednak in the middle of the park. Webb was two, two feet away and bottled it. And, uh, yeah, so there was also chat in, in, in the uh, well, chat in the chat room. That's wholeradio.net forward slash chat. And that relates to, um, well, Dweeb was also agreeing with me, which is always a good thing to do. <laughs> uh, and he said that it's the Howard Webb show every time. Um, and I think that sums him up. It, it's not, he doesn't referee a football match. Uh, he, he just wants to create attention for himself. And how he's England's representative going into the World Cup, I will never know. Okay. Um, yeah, there's been so much negativity surrounding the game. Not just Howard Webb. I mean, a lot of criticism levelled at, at the team as well. And the way we played, um, I saw lots of tweets after the game on, on the train home. People saying that we're doomed, that we're going down. But surely, surely, this is my point for for the next sort of five ten minutes. That is a bit harsh because we're sixteenth and we've got ten games to play. Surely we've got as much chance as anybody else. So uh, I'm going to ask you, Albert, your thoughts on that. I didn't put it on Twitter yesterday, but uh, I, I'm inclined to say we are going down. Um, you look at the running; we got some. Really tough away. I mean, every, okay, let's not be let's not be uh, under any illusions. Every game's tough, but we've got vital away games against relegation contenders. Um, you know, Cardiff swept aside Fulham yesterday. Sunderland, uh, you know, putting in good performances. Um, and our home games, you know, only one of them, and it's presumptuous to say it, but only one of them is winnable, and that's the Villa game. We can't expect, can't be relying on Chelsea, City, or Liverpool to slip up especially when uh, each of those teams are all winning with a decent shout of winning the, win the, winning the league on the whole. Uh, I think we're in trouble. I've said it. There we go. OK. Alex, are we going down? Uh, it's in our hands. That's the thing. You say we're 16th there. It's completely and utterly in our hands, but you, we've got to realise the running that we've got, but everyone else has got to play a lot of good teams as well. 
we can if we if we do well in our home games, we can afford to to draw at places like Sunderland and the teams in and around us. But we're not doomed, and I, and I think so much negativity yesterday. But the first thirty six minutes, a lot of people would disagree. But some of the stuff was the best that I've actually seen this season. In, in terms of posit- positivity, we were so much higher than usual and we got in their faces and we, we actually looked like we might have had a threat. We didn't look like we were going to score a goal, not that early on, but we looked like we were actually at a, at a foothold in this game and we looked like a Premier League side matching these teams. And, and we can do it and we know we can do it. We just really need that cutting edge and that's going to be the difference. But we're also going to have to pick up points perhaps where we're not expected because you see Norwich the other day, they drew nil-nil with City. We're going to have to find a couple of games where we hold Chelsea or something like that because that's going to be the difference for me everyone talks about the games that we've got in and around us but there's going to be a couple of games where we actually need to take a point where we're not expected to okay and on the point of us going down I'd argue that we don't have to be a fantastic team to stay up there's just got to be three worst teams that, that can go down and I think in my personal opinion I think Fulham and Cardiff are gone and I think looking at Norwich's running I've got it in front of me here I think they'll go down they've got Arsenal West Arsenal last game of the season, they got Chelsea before that, they got Man United before that, they got Liverpool before that. So their last four games are against potentially the top four sides, like that were well, four of the top sides, I suppose. And I think there's not a chance that they'll get a point out of those last four games. That's from from the after the twelfth of April, I don't think Fulham will get another point. And I think, you know, we've got Fulham away in the last game of the season. It could come down to that quite feasibly. I think we've got a fantastic chance of staying up just because just because of the, the games that others are playing. Alex, do you disagree with that? Um, I, th- I think you look at West Brom as well, and I think <laughs> it's it's not always the best teams, uh, the worst teams that go down, is it? That's the that's the thing. But look, we it's in our hands now. We can't. All we've got to do is win our football matches. We're out of the relegation zone. We're in a decent position. Let's just do our job. Let's not worry about what everyone else has got to do. If we win the games against the teams that we've got in and around us, we will stay in the division. Okay. And uh, Albert, you obviously disagree with that, yeah? I just think we, it's, it's, it's boils down to the fact we don't score goals. Um, everybody else, okay, Norwich and teams might still get turned over, but they, you know, they score goals. Like Norwich have got Hooper, Sunderland attacking goals away with Barini and Co. Um, we, we're lucky if we score one goal. Uh, and when we're playing teams away, away from home who are relegation contenders, we need to score more than one to uh, you know, give ourselves a good chance of picking up points there. Um, you know, the home games, like I just said, apart from Villa, the home games are a write-off uh, for me. Okay. It's worrying. It is worrying. Yeah, no, I do know what you mean. Chris, I'll come to you firstly for an opinion and then secondly for some tweets. Um, that's, uh, all right. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm really disappointed with the negativity um, at the moment. I mean, but in particular, Albert or of everybody. No, well, no. See, no. Al, I mean, Albert's making a point, but that's not. And and it's it's after the event, and he's looking. I at always around disappoint in. you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but less about that. Um, no, I don't have a problem with with Albert saying that we might. Go, you know, he, he thinks we'll go down, and I don't have a problem with him looking at the the fixture list and giving logical reasons why that is. I have a problem with people being negative about the fact that we might go down. I have a problem with people being negative about the fact we lost 1-0 to Southampton at home. Um, Southampton are a really, really good team. Um, you know, they turned us over at their place, probably should have got a fair few more goals. And, you know, what we're not, we're, we're Crystal Palace. You know, we've done really, really well. But we haven't magically transformed into a side that can beat a top-half team 
without you know without a lot of luck and, and doing all the right things and everyone having a really good day and being on their game you know we, we, that's that's what we are we're we're in the Premier League but we need every single player to be you know eight or nine out of ten to have any chance in the majority of the games that we play and that hasn't changed because we're nearing the end of the season and it, it's incredible to me of absolutely the level of anger at the end of the game yesterday was disgusting in my view and people will disagree with me on that and, think, and they'll have their arguments as to why but I think it's all to do with expectation if your expectation becomes unrealistic then you're going to end a game like that where we've been in a match against a really good team for the whole for the whole game right up until the final whistle we're in that game and that's it. We've come a long, long way to get to that point. And if your expectation has risen to the point where you think that we should be beating Southampton, then you're in for a really, really, really hard run into the season because we're not, gonna, we're not that good. And it absolutely sickens me that, that people are like that after the game. And don't get me wrong, the usual people, you know, and it is a majority because it's always the dissenting voices that, um, that are the loudest. The majority of people probably left that game and felt, you know, fairly uplifted in, in about some of it, you know, and they were happy to keep behind the team and didn't feel like slitting their wrist a second they walked out of Sellers Park like a lot of Twitter seemed to. And everyone's looking for someone to blame. We're not, we're not, that's not who we are. If the Premier League is going to turn us into that, then the sooner we go down, the better. Okay, um, and then you got I, some... Go on. Yeah, go on, Albert. And I was just going to say, I, you know, I know you're not specifically talking about sort of my opinion, but mm. I don't feel that we should be beating Southampton, but I feel we need to be, you know, mm. looking at the fixture list, we need to be, even a point, I'd have taken a point at the beginning of yesterday, um, and the reaction at 1-0 wasn't good enough for me. Um, I, I, know, I know exactly what you mean, Albert, but, but the thing for me is, but for a completely horrific error, we'd have had a point. You know, and people wouldn't have been talking about, oh, we should have had more shots, blah, blah, blah. They were and actually, people probably would have been saying that the game was there to win, but I don't know. I really, really struggle with the strength of reaction. If we've been beaten five nil, we're fine. But we hadn't. I've got no problem going down at all. You know, I'm much like yourself. I prefer the championship. If anything, you get more games for your money. Um, but uh, we're in a great position, um, and I just feel that we we didn't we didn't do that position justice yesterday. Going one nil down to, yeah to a scrappy goal we we shouldn't have our chin shouldn't have dropped as much as they did we should have you know pushed on and built on a bit and gambled a bit more and it, we didn't and it was it was disappointing to see okay that's a good point there and uh, alex i understand you've got a point to make on that i'm certainly going to back any man that is taking over if i like them or not right uh, okay that's alex. a good point well made. yeah well yeah you'd have to say that um chris we'll come to you for a few tweets yeah, a few. There's, there's quite a lot. There's a big argument going on about dropping Jednak at the moment. Um, I'm not sure. We covered that in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, oh God, it, it's where to start, really. Um, well, uh, <laughs> shut it, Albert. <clears throat> shut it, Albert. You negative Norris. You're bringing me down. That's from Barry. <laughs> Who said that? Barry. <laughs> Barry said that. Get it. Um, <clears throat> Uh, King B says we had many corners and crosses yesterday but didn't have any good chances on target and the amount of offsides we had is frustrating. Uh, Rickers says that, South yes, Southampton are a good side but one we could have tried to beat. Um, I don't, I did, well, on that, we did, you know, we did try and beat him, we just failed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the point. Um, uh, Danny says, is it right we haven't created a single decent chance in the last two games uh, and tougher games are coming up? He's worried. 
Um, I got told I had a loser attitude for saying I prefer the championship. Up your bum, Barry. Um, Daniel Sh- <laughs> the same Barry that called me a negative. Yeah, Norris. Bar- Barry's on the insults today. Well, he, good on you, Barry. He's giving it all to Barry. He is. He's giving it all to Barry today. Um, I think Bar- Barry. Think, think Barry. Um, you just need to bear in mind that we're, uh, you know, we're not being negative for the sake of being negative. We're actually trying to. I was actually trying to encourage positivity, but by all means, do pick one aspect of what we're talking about and then insult us about it. That's the way to do it, mate. <laughs> good on, good on you. Um, yeah, uh, Chris Nice has purely said that we didn't create enough. Uh, we needed a Bannon, Ince, or Johnny Esther there in the number ten role. And I think creativity is a, a definitely, um, definitely a point of uh, contention there. We certainly lacked a bit of that, and um, I say a lot of that was to do with the way Southampton defended. I felt, but. Good to pick up there. Uh, in the chat room, very, very quickly, uh, the discussion has kind of moved on to the fact that we, um, we're not been taking points from the top teams and, and how many of those we've got in the running. Um, you know, we made the point of Norwich having a difficult running, but we've got that same problem. Uh, only taking a point of Everton and everything else we've, um, everything else against the top boys, we've struggled. So, uh, that, you know, lots of points there. So, there you go. Oh, I just have to say, though, I mean... We haven't had an upset this season, and a lot of other teams have. You know, teams that are in around us have gone to big sides, and and have won something. And surely we we can get one. Surely, surely we can. And I just think it, it's it's due really. But uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult last few games. But I think at home, you know, we've got the we've got Chelsea, we've got Liverpool, we've got Man City. I think we can nick a point from from one of those games. Um, I, I fancy I fancy us to beat Everton away. Just so you know. Good. Well, I, I like your optimism. Well, the thing is, if they. Uh, carry on in the cup. Uh, wait, are they still in the cup? Everything's still in the cup. Oh no, they're out, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, don't worry. Don't listen to me. <laughs> We're gonna let's move on. We'll go to uh, to Southampton. A little, a small talking point about Southampton, and then we'll move on to the big one to finish about Mila Yednak and who else played rubbish yesterday. Uh, Southampton as a team, the way they play and the English players they have, I, I really like them. To be honest, I know I obviously didn't like them yesterday because they beat Palace, but. Um, just looking at the way they play, you know, their their full-backs, Shaw on one side, Klein on the other, they almost play as wingers, and you have the two central defensive midfielders dropping back almost into the back four, and it just, you know, the two wide defenders don't play in their half hardly at all, and I think it's it's a really innovative way of playing, I think, you know, that it's good to watch, and I think that Shaw and Lana, in my opinion, will be two of England's best players in the next few years, and, and they both should be on the plane to Brazil. And I, well, I'm going to come to you first, Alex, because I don't think you agree. I like Lalana. I think Lalana's a very good talent, and sort of reminds me of. Um, I don't know. He's just he's just got that. Yeah, maybe he's just got <laughs> that that cutting edge and that that ability to get in behind that that not a lot of England players do have. But I think the funny one for me is Shaw. I just think if the if the guy wasn't eighteen and he wasn't English, then there'd be like no hype at all. If he was this German eighteen-year-old playing for mid-table German team, then. I just, to be honest, I don't personally see the hype other than because he's English. But I'm sure he'll prove that I'm completely wrong and I'm an idiot and I don't know much about football and goes on to be one of the best left backs in the world. I just can love Doctor Who. Albert, the Daleks back. Well, Chris, I'm going to come to you to restore some pride in the show. Well, I can try. What what was Albert responding to? <laughs> uh, well, talking about we've been talking about Luke Shaw and Adam mm. Lallana. Oh yeah, of course, really. course, yeah. Um, Lallana was 
absolutely outrageous in that game, I thought. I think he was the difference between the two sides, which, considering what we've been talking about, about how good Southampton are as a team, I think as an individual, he elevates them from, you know, from relatively ordinary to, um, you know, to a, to a team that are very much on the up. Luke, Luke Shaw's a, a fine left back. He looks good, um, but he obviously he's, he's at a young age, and you get you get that when when players of that quality break through, they tend to sort of almost explode onto the scene. And what it remains to be seen how he's gonna how he's gonna go, uh, because he's still got to improve. I mean, defensively. Um, I think I think he's got quite a lot to do. He's a good he's a good attacking left back. He's really confident and comfortable on the ball, which makes a, a huge difference um, for, for a defender. And it's something that we lack. I think people who are comfortable on the ball at the back, because uh, it gives you something you can build from, you know, and, and it takes the mm. pressure off a little bit. But um, but I don't think it's anything particularly special at this stage. But we'll see how he goes. He's definitely got potential to be an incredible uh, player in the long run. But right now he's he's got a long way to go. But Lalana is the difference. And, Lallana is is everything that we want Johnny Williams to be, in my view, a player who can just pass. What he, what he does so well is changes of direction. You see how often he just left our midfield, sort of looking at nothing. It was just, it was in, it was it was actually you know really impressive to watch, but also slightly soul destroying because it showed you the difference between having technique and just being physical you know and that's it always looks like he's got a goal in him as well that's the thing that's the thing that Johnny's always sort of lacked he, he never really had that goal scoring threat but Alana always looks like he's going to score a goal yeah I mean if if you if you add that he's got that in his game you know he, he can pick a pass better than, than most in the division plus he can take people on and he did that a couple of times yesterday and made our defence look you know look championship standard which perhaps in, at times it is so yeah it was um yeah, you don't want to celebrate too much because the, ultimately they're a rival for, for Palace. But I mean, in terms of the England squad, it's it's great to see Southampton bringing players like this through, and they've been doing it for a while now. And you know, you've got to say that's that's where we hope we will be. Okay, we'll uh, we'll move on to the final talking point of the show. We've technically got about six minutes left, but I'm sure it will stretch on a little bit when we get going about this because it's a uh, it's quite a big point. And I just want to essentially talk about who played well and who didn't. And Jednak really is the one that I want to talk about the most because, personally, I think he had an absolute shocker. Uh, he looked knackered from the first whistle, uh, whistle sorry, and he uh, constantly made mistakes. Um, and set pieces as well is a weird one with Jednak. He, I don't know why, but he always seems to take free kicks. Um, you know, when when we're about twenty-five yards out, and he, has, I don't think I've seen him get one on target. To be honest, maybe one actually I can remember, but usually they're blazed over the bar or, or smashed straight into the wall. And I just don't think he's the right man to be taking them. But overall. As I say, I thought he looked knackered from from the first whistle, not wickle. And um, yeah, like I mean, when we're back defending, say there was one point Southampton had a set piece, and Jen that it was you know hands on his knees, hunched over, and just looked completely shattered. And that was sort of you know an hour into the game, and he's not going to come off, and he's not going to get you know rest. But Alex, do you think he should? No, Why? simply because. Oh, I, I personally don't believe that he had a, he had a terrible game. Jednak does what Jednak does. He just beats people to the floor and and breaks up the play. And and the man, the man's amazing. Let's face it. And it, no, he's a Premier League footballer. He he doesn't need a rest. Let's face it. He can he can run around for ninety minutes twice a week. That's not too much to expect. He's he's one of the, you know you take him out. He's the biggest part of the jigsaw. 
you take him out. Who 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 takes people to the ground? Who's that one man that's going to whammy a player on the halfway line and make that, that difference? We don't have one, and and that sounds stupid. But in a relegation dogfight, you need someone that's going to stand up, who's got some balls, and on the break is literally just going to stick Andrus Townsend or whoever it is in the stand. Don't even care what the player is, but he'll just do it. I just went for a quick player because I could. Do you not think Stuart O'Keefe would do a similar sort of job when asked to? Do I think who could? Stuart O'Keefe. Uh, they're very different players. Good, right. Okay. Um, um, I wonder if it might be best to Yesterday, Alex. the one thing that I, I will take is a positive. Probably, it's probably cut Alex off. Yeah, just, just, uh, just drop Alex there because, I mean, he seems to be speaking in quite a strange manner, doesn't he? He's mine. Yeah, yours is fine now, mate. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to you then. Do you, do you think, Jen, that was awful yesterday? Uh, I don't think it was awful. I just think he's mediocre. He was mediocre, like most of the team. Certainly shouldn't be dropped. Definitely shouldn't be dropped. He's he, he's too important. The work the the work that he does is yeah. No one else can do it like him. O'Keefe would be great, but I think O'Keefe needs to play next to Jedi in, as opposed to instead of. Okay, uh, we got a caller, so we're going to shove him straight on. A few minutes ago, but hopefully they've got something good to say. Hello, caller. Oh, hi, mate. Uh, just. Listening to the show, just wondering if I can get involved about the Gen debate. Yeah, far away. What you got to say? I'm on air now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're online. <laughs> we'll, we'll get your name first. Actually, what, who, who am I speaking to? Oh yeah, I just think uh, at the moment KG being just possibly not the best physique and the best physique possible, and put, not putting in as much running as Gen is making it very difficult. Like we saw Gen Nack yesterday chasing down balls for their goal. He probably where he shouldn't have been. But that's not a sound of a player that needs a rest, chasing down balls at the goalie after 85 minutes. I think okay. he's been made difficult by the players on side him, and Ledley should be in the KG role. Mm. I, okay. I, yeah, I, well, I was going to say, I, I agree with that, definitely, uh, in the sense that it's the players around Jednak you need to look at. Now, there is, there is a problem with Jednak, don't get me wrong, and a, whether it's related to tiredness or whether it's just relating to ability to pass a football... I'm not too sure because he's, you know, I mean, he varies in quality from from match to match almost. Could certainly play a long pass better than he can a short pass, but basically, um, I, I think yeah, he needs more help around him because the, the opposition's teams are quite, you know, aware of what he is in our side because it's become very very obvious. He's he's the heartbeat yeah. of the side. So what they're they're doing is they're stifling him in possession. They don't need to chase down everyone, but they need to chase down him, and he's really yeah, he does he does give the ball away. A vast, not a vast, not a lot, not a vast majority, but very often he gives the ball away in Tejman Field when he really shouldn't be doing so. He's been more kind of keeping it ticking over. Like, I know he's cut down the long balls and stuff, but still, he does give the ball away far too much. And his pass completion stats, well, just the stat for a central midfielder, is really not high enough. And I, just, I think maybe Medley would do the role better, but he's obviously, I wouldn't drop him for a second, it wouldn't even cross my mind. But I think he's just, he is the, uh, the central midfielder we should have. Mm. So he needs yeah. to stay, he needs to stay on the side. He needs to stay on the side because he's key to the side. He brings, he leads everyone else, and without him, there's no chance we'll stay up. You can talk about O'Keefe, but the only player O'Keefe should replace is KG. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I totally, yeah, right. totally agree. It, it's to talk about dropping Jednak kind of shows a misunderstanding of what he brings to the team. I think so. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, great. Okay, um, I'm, <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Can I get your name as well? I've said. Uh, yeah, Johnny. Time. Okay, thanks very much, Johnny. For right, cool. Cheers, Johnny Williams there. How's, uh, <laughs> how's Johnny Williams? Uh, live from Ipswich. 
Fantastic. No, yeah, that was a. Uh, it was nice to get a caller on that isn't another presenter. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. A few more quick points, Chris. I'll come to you in a second for for tweets. So I'll, I'll yep. let you get yep. a few ready. Cool. Um. But yeah, first of all, I want to talk about players who did play well. Just finish on kind of a positive note because I know a lot of the show has been reasonably negative. And I thought Joel Ward was really, really good. Uh, and Blassie at times as well, I thought, looked really capable of, of doing something. And, and if we were going to score, I thought he might be the one to do it. And I think a lot about Blassie. I think he, he offers something that, that others don't and that when he gets the ball, like we saw with Zaha last season, um, he can do something and he can create goals. And I thought he, he especially with that chance where what were we talking about earlier where it should have been a red card, I thought he, he looked fantastic. Um, so... Alex, I'll come to you first. Uh, obviously, I've mentioned Joe Ward and Blassie. Do you think they or any others were, were decent? Fantastic. <laughs> Good. Well, he's uh, back. Any man that's taken he over, um, he is, whether yeah. he likes them or not. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point, actually. Um, Albert, you're there. I'll talk to you. Hello. Yeah, I thought Blassie was good, and he had that shot sort of that fell to him outside the area that the keeper did well to save, I think, in the first half. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Ward. I think Murray did as well as he could, provided with the service and sort of his general fitness. I thought Delaney and, and Dan in particular had a good game. Dan put in a great challenge on, I can't think what it was, but then he sent him into the stands. That was nice to see. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Joel's um, had a solid game. You know, again, we've already mentioned some people are trying to knock him for the goal, but I think that's completely out of order. Uh, and yeah, and Ledley, in an unfamiliar role, did the best he could. Everybody else was just sort of average to mediocre, really. That's the same thing, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, average to me. Average to Paul. Avrioka is how I'm going to describe everybody yeah. else. Okay. Chris, uh, your opinion first of all, and then a few tweets to finish. Uh, opinion on uh, on the positive side of the game today. Yes. Um, absolutely, Balassi was, was one of those. Um, it, it's really frustrating, isn't it? Because he's he's so close to being an absolutely fantastic player at this level. I use the word fantastic. I'm quite happy about that. Uh, he's so close, he's so close, but he's not quite there. Uh, and that's what people do pick up on, um, unfortunately. Tries so, to beat one person too many. E- exactly. Um, what, what he, he, he can put a good cross in, but he just doesn't do it enough. Uh, if you look at how Jerome Thomas played when he came on, uh, he was obviously told, get the ball in the box. And that's what he did. You know, cut back on the right foot continuously on the left wing, get, got the crossing, cross after cross after cross, probably put 10... Ten crosses in, in in the ten minutes he was on or whatever it was, you know he he shows you how, to, you know that part of being a winger, but he doesn't have the same sort of explosive trickery and pace that that Balassi possesses. And Balassi terrified him at times; he really did. They didn't know how to handle him. Um, so he, he's he's definitely a positive. Ward, yeah, completely agree was was excellent. Um, but you know can't do all all on his own, unfortunately. And and you know whilst the centre back pairing of, of Dan and and Delaney were solid. Um, Delaney in particular knows, you know, he's so important in getting those last minute blocks in that, you know, if he hadn't done a couple of those, we probably would have been well out of sight, you know, well, sorry, Southampton would have been well out of sight. Uh, but again, I think you, you go to the left back area and you go to Dean Moxie. And I've been sort of up, up very much up and down in, in my opinion of Moxie this season. I think he's, he's definitely made the step up better than I thought he would. Um, but he's being targeted, and it was said. It was definitely said on on Twitter, and I apologise to the person who said it for essentially stealing what they said um, <laughs> without giving them any any credit. I can't, I just can't find where it was. But um, but well done. You were completely correct. I agree. That <laughs> uh, the Moxie is being targeted, and and that makes it harder for him. You know, he's not he's not that far behind in terms of ability that he can't play at this level. But 
And when you're targeted as the weak link, it makes it all the more harder if you're if you are slightly struggling with that step up. And I think that's what it is. I think you know he does get caught out of position quite often in, in try, probably trying to do a little bit too much sometimes. There, there was a moment yesterday when Lana put, I think, um, uh, Stephen Davis through. Mm. Right, and he was completely on his own in the left-back area. Um, Absolutely. On the replay, I couldn't even see Moxie uh, yeah. on Match of the Days. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's a shame. It's a shame, again, of dragging it into a negative, and I'm very aware of doing that. And I'm trying to sort of say that, you know, it's not necessarily Moxie's fault. Perhaps needs a bit more support out there, but you can see why there's a bit of indecision in that um, in that left back slot. But yeah, I was impressed again, and, and you know the subs. I, I think Cameron Jerome is is possibly underrated as an impact player. I think he does cause a bit of havoc. Um, and they say Thomas did really well when he came on. He's a player who's not played much and got a lot of grief after that dive the other the other day. But you know, put that behind him and came on did a proper wing as well so there's lots of things to be positive about we lost one nil to a, to a good side and you know what did you, you make of Ince? Ince uh, when he came off the bench he didn't really have a massive impact did he um one good free kick yeah he, he's again he, he did so well in his first game and you just kind of thought oh here we go assist and a goal after uh after 20 minutes or so and you think yeah there you go great player to get in but Again, he he's one who he's adjusting to a new level, and maybe it's not the right time to be doing that. But you know, by the by the time Ince came on the pitch, it's too late, isn't it? In my view, if he'd started the game, maybe ahead of punch or started in in behind, in behind the striker, you'd have seen a different player. But he came on when we're chasing the game, and but we weren't playing through midfield; we were getting the ball forward quick. So okay, there you go. Sorry, <laughs> no problem. No, that's fine. Uh, any last tweets, then, Chris? There's loads, really. Um, Actually, quite a good little one to sum it all up, really, from uh, Christopher Dack, who says that Pulis himself knows how we need to improve. He said so after the game. We played way too deep for a home side. Heads up, people. I, 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 I want to leave it there. Is, to me, that's the perfect summary. Um, okay. It's bad. Let's, let, let me say what I was going to say, because otherwise, it, otherwise it's too awkward. Isn't you it? go. Go on, you go. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Um, and then I'll go after. Yeah, and the re- the reason, yeah, that's a good system. The reason <laughs> I think that's a good way of summary is because we've got to put this game behind us. For a lot of people, I think that they were expecting, you know, this to be a chance of the three points or the very least a point. And the disappointment and the the fear factor has come back. And I think the time the time is is right to just put it to one side. You know, no one covered themselves in glory, but we weren't smashed out of the park by it. But what was a really good side. Let's move on. Let's go to the next game. Sunderland away. That is a chance. That's a six-pointer, isn't it? Come on. There ever has, ever has been one. You've, uh, you've moved on to my next point quite well. I did say that was it, but we have got a couple of emails, so I'm going to ask both of you really quickly uh, an answer for it. First of all, before, before I do that, I've got an email in from Richard Venn, which I'll read out. He says, Surely there will be no better time to play the big three, Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea. The pressure on them to beat us is equal, if not greater, than the pressure on us to get something from the game which is a very valid point. And then David Bray has asked a question, which I'll, I'll put to both of you. And he says, will Pulis go for it against Sunderland or go with the back foot defensive midfield that didn't work at Swansea or Southampton? So, Albert, I'll come to you first. What do you think? Uh, I think it'll be a mixture between the two, which is a nice, awkward answer. Uh, I don't think we, we, we can't afford to go up there and go out all guns blazing because, you know, we will, we will concede. Um, it'll be cagey and, and I think, we, you know, if we score a goal, then we'll get a point. Okay, and Chris, are you going to sit on Albert's fence with him? <laughs> no, I'm not. On, no, mate, uh, I, the room. 
uh, I don't see I don't see Tony Pulis changing too much, but I think um, I think he will. He's not stupid. We've seen him the impact he's had at, at the club and how he's basically every time we get a proper six pointer, we've seemed to seem to come out on the right side of it. And I think he'll go uh, he'll go there with with a view to you know to to being on the front foot as much as we if, possibly if Lee Catamole plays like he did today then we're in a with a really good chance of winning he's an absolute shocker yeah i i, I think that's a, he played a worse back pass than punching today yeah. <laughs> but but let's just put it this way we're going into a part of the season where you know in relation to the last tweet as well funny things do happen weird weird you get weird results you get people picking up points where you'd never expect them to pick it up and pressure does some strange things to people um and i think We've got the right man in charge and, and the right team spirit at our club that we can start taking advantage of that. And I genuinely feel that, that Sunderland is where it will start. We'll, um, I fancy us to, to beat them and to beat them without much of a doubt. Fantastic. Right. Um, as I mentioned right at the start of the show, we've had loads of four-word reviews in, so I'll, I'll read through, through, through a few of those before we go. Um, as I say, I've got loads sitting in front of me, so uh, apologies if I don't read yours out. I'm just going to pick a few random ones there. Um, Danny Cooper has started with not good enough relegated Jimmy Dawes too negative at home Steve Williams has gone with still in 16th place Richard Shearman thinks it was worst performance of season Chris White says don't blame the ref um, but then Chris Hopkins has gone with the opposite of that and said what is a prick um, <laughs> Fran Doran says not staying up now but he's put a question mark on the end of that so I don't know maybe he thinks we are staying up I don't know who knows um, Andy Tr- Andy Tolfrey says three vital points lost. James Baker has gone with the uh, fantastic next game's another game, which uh, which is good. Um, two more. Nathan Warnock says utter shower of shit. And then uh, my favourite from Peter Flaherty to finish. He says, well, it's technically five words, but he's gone with cam jam as one word. So we'll, we'll go with it. Cam jam rather my nan. So uh, <laughs> fantastic. So uh, that is the end of. <laughs> that is the end of tonight's show thank you all very much for listening we do appreciate it um if you're listening to this on the podcast um why why not listen live next week because uh you can get your tweets in and, and get your thoughts read out which is always a bonus surely um as i say thank you again for listening on the show next week alex is hosting in uh, another change so uh tune in next week sunday night 8 p.m thank you very much good night Homesdale Radio is brought to you in association with CompleteSigns.co.uk for all your sign-based needs. To receive a genuine 10% discount, mention you are listening to Homesdale Radio and get in touch today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. 
Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.